Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kellen. With me as always, my brother Brendan. Together we make movies with the DBS Films. Today's episode, we're going to part two of our thoughts on the recent Screen Actors Strike, which is now officially in motion. We basically highlighted the writer's strike. Now we're highlighting the actor strike, which has definitely complicated things for a lot of different individuals in this. As always, we want to show our solidarity to the writers and to the actors. We definitely believe in what they are standing up for, and we hope them the best in this process. We basically want to take this episode to give you guys a little bit of insight into where we think this could potentially go. First episode highlighted the two major issues, which are the decreasing residuals, which these actors are living on. And on top of that, the ever-rising threat of AI in the sense of compressing the opportunities for people within it. As always, be sure to go ahead and take a look at our Discord channel online because we make movies for our fans with our fans. So if you ever want to be part of the movie-making process, well, that is the place to be. Also, our newest feature film, Horror in the Forest, could be out right now. And if it is, be sure to go ahead, give it a rent, give it a review. It means the world to us. So let's hop right into it. I really kind of want to take this episode to talk about where we think this can happen or where we think this can go and what the potential conclusions will be. Now, we already did a two episodes on the writer's strike. And in the writer's strike, we mentioned that there is a big issue for the writers, unfortunately, which is they can build up a pipeline of writing. And as long as there's no adjustments or any additional writing taking place, studios are more than fine to continue with the production process. Well, that has completely shifted now because you have the screen actors, which means there's a large group of individuals who will not be able to do any type of acting immediately. And this essentially is bringing Hollywood to a gridlock. Now, something that we've always talked about is there is a delay. Even if nothing gets made film-wise over these next few months, you will not be feeling it until probably three to four quarters, potentially. And on top of that, the studio systems knew this was a potential possibility, so they've basically been building up their pipeline. So really, no differences are going to take place, but you have been seeing things that are going to be a little bit more critical. One of them is Stranger Things, the newest season is now slated for 2027 for a release. That is four years from now. So do you want to talk about the pipeline that was the Writers Guild, how it's now completely been shut off by the Acting Guild, and what this means for the studio and our lovely, lovely content consumers out there? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know how much content was uh, spearheaded and kind of stockpiled before this thing even started. I do know that the rising interest rates have shut down a lot of productions. Um, For most movies, they have to get a loan to do this stuff. And back when interest rates were 2 3%, it was really easy money to get loans. It was easy to get that money back via tax credits. And now all of a sudden we have loans that are 6 7%. And these are mortgages. They're going to be way more for you know film loans. And that shut down a lot of productions or at least slowed a lot of production. So coming into strike season, we were already seeing a decrease in, you know, uh, productions being made. The COVID money kind of, you know, kind of went out. Um, A lot of indie filmmakers made a lot of movies during COVID. So there was kind of like this giant um, slush fund of a whole bunch of indie movies that kind of had to just get pushed through the system. And that's been gone. And I watch the indie uh, rankings. I watch the indie movies. I see what Amazon releases every single day, pretty much because I'm waiting for our movie to come out. 
And I remember back when we launched Murder House, back when we launched Forest to Death, there was about five or six new movies out each day. And now there has been a lot of days where I haven't seen anything released. And I also don't know if that's just Amazon having a backlog of their own and they're just being slow to release some of this stuff. But my suspicion is that a lot of productions have stopped or slowed down. But that being said, everything kind of works on a six to 12 month timeline right now. So the stuff that is stopped right now um, is probably you're not going to see that slowdown until January, February of next year. Um, and you're not going to see the revenue hits for another year. You're still seeing the movies that are coming out right now are the movies that have been shot and finished six months ago. So the movies back in December, January um, are the ones that are coming out now. So it's going to be interesting to see when things slow down. The problem is that as this stuff you know, accelerates, if we continue to see longer strike periods, you know, it can kind of spiral out of control where, you know, you can go three months, four months now without any kind of content. And that could be very detrimental to a studio where most of these studios run on um, pretty much on just in time, just in time economics, where one movie needs to be completed on schedule. So they get the money to make the next movie and everything's kind of like stacked. And if you start to miss movies, if you start to not have that revenue come in, um, they have to pay these loans back. They have to pay employees. They have to pay, pay everybody. And if that revenue is not coming in, it's going to be very interesting to see what they kind of do. And I think on the streaming side, it's going to be very interesting to see what Netflix, what HBO, what Hulu, all these streaming platforms come to their, you know, their stockholder meetings and say, hey, you know, we're going to lose a lot of revenue because we just don't have any more content. We're going to start to see people cut the, you know, the subscriptions because they're trying to save money because there's nothing new that's come out. I think all that stuff is kind of crazy, as Kel mentioned you know, Stranger Things, it's a big, big driver for subscriptions for Netflix is now punted for four or five years. You know, that's kind of crazy. You know, what kind of content are they going to use to fill all this stuff? And it's just a lot of chaos, a lot of uncertainty right now from both sides. Yeah, I mean, there really is a lot in the mix now. And again, this, this is just another big explosion when it comes to just the shifting landscape that has been the Hollywood and content creation system. So I think really let's highlight the two stakeholders when it comes to both sides. I think, you know, as you're mentioning for the studios, it is those shareholders. And I think now more than ever, the big thing I want to talk about is, is this a different mix with the AMPTP? Uh, because before it was people who their whole purpose was making movies. It was studios that their very big focus was just simply content creation outside of Disney really none of the other major studios for the longest time had any other sources of channels or revenue to that degree. Now you have big players like Apple, Amazon, you have uh, YouTube potentially as well as one, but they're not really big in the, the, the system yet. But basically you have all of these major streamings, you know, Netflix as well too, that are part of Fang. They're part of the biggest stock companies out there. They have these holders. And I think it makes two things. One, you have a lot more pressure in these tech companies for performance. They really move on a much faster scale. But I think the second thing is, does Amazon or Apple really care if their movies or studio systems take a little bit of a hit? And I think that to me is the biggest fear that I have on the studio side is when your entire market used to be making movies and you can't make a movie, there goes your revenue. When your entire market is mainly driven by your web hosting services, 
or your Apple devices? Do you really care how long this strike goes on? Or are you saying, hey, I'm willing to commit to not doing anything to set us up for longer term growth in this segment? And to me, that's the scariest part, I think, looking on the studio side of things. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you right now, uh, Netflix cares. I think Hulu cares. HBO cares. The ones that are making content, their business model is storytelling, do care. I don't think Apple cares. And I definitely know Amazon doesn't care. If Amazon wanted to, they could create the biggest and best um, movie streaming platform. They could literally overtake Netflix overnight if they wanted to. They have not invested anything in their UI in the last 10 years. Their customer support is non-existence. And the way that they treat filmmakers as far as royalty rates and everything, you know, has been going down. They're not investing anything in there. And you can see this because there is no vision on that company. There's no vision on the story side. They pump hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars into content but they haven't had anything close to what HBO puts out or what Netflix puts out. There's just no vision. And I think you kind of saw this also with Disney where they've been pumping a lot of stuff out there, but they've kind of lost that vision, that kind of direction uh, of the, the company. I think this is a big one with Pixar too. A lot of Pixar movies recently just don't have that same spark because the creative juices that kind of drove this stuff, the passion for filmmaking has kind of gone away and has been replaced with, all right, how can we make the most money? How can we get the most revenue? How can we, you know, be very tech minded? How can we, you know, have the algorithm drive these sales and you know i have a huge issue with the whole film industry being run on an algorithm it's just kind of i think you're losing a lot of content i think you're losing a lot of new content quirky content stuff that may not be a fit for everyone but it's really good content and instead we're getting sequel after sequel after sequel but something's starting to change now because if you've seen the recent movies that have come out recently um, there's been a lot of flops. And I th think I saw an article about Steven Spielberg saying this, that, you know, everyone's going to try and make the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I think a lot of people are going to get tired of that and they're just going to stop showing up. I think we're starting to see that. And this is good for indies because if you look at Tubi, um, they had a huge historic rise. A lot of that's funneled by indies. And hopefully they take a page out of Amazon's book and learn some lessons and treat indies very fairly because I think there is a craving for new and original content, for new and original ideas, for new and original filmmakers. But it's just how can we get that quality up there? Because there still is that you know stigma of, this is low budget. This doesn't look good. This doesn't sound good. There's issues with this movie. One star, I want to turn it off. But I do think that, you know, with how good and talented filmmakers are coming up through the systems, I think we're going to see that talent gap, that quality gap kind of between the top streaming platforms and Netflix quality stuff and the stuff that indies are producing is going to kind of condense. And I think at that point, you're going to see a lot of cool new ideas, a lot of cool filmmakers where people are like, all right, look, I understand this is not technically sound or there's some kind of issues, but this is a story that I haven't seen told anymore. And I'm fully on board with this. I pretty much watch only indie stuff now. I've watched a lot of Hollywood stuff. Um, I always see the big uh, releases. I saw Boogeyman. I saw Insidious. And I just go right back to the indie stuff because it's new, it's fresh, and it has a new taste and a new feel to it outside of the stuff that I see in the movie theaters pretty much consistently now.
Yeah, I mean, that really is the case in the shifting landscape, and that is kind of the dynamic there. So let's pivot to our guilds, and again, support and solidarity to all of them, because, you know, as creatives ourselves, we are the driving force in all of the elements of DBS films when it comes to bringing it to life, except for acting. We need our amazing actors. Um, so, you know, we rely on a lot of people who are on the creative side, and we love to create. Who their shareholders and stakeholders are, are the individual members of these unions and of these guilds. You know, they they pay dues. They basically are part of this process. And I think one of the biggest issues now is over the past, you know, decades or so, Hollywood has easily been shifting more and more to a gig economy. It has been something we need to book over book over book to basically continue to live and subsidize yourself. A lot of people see the top tier actors, your A-listers, and they're doing fantastically fine. But there is a wide network and a wide range of so many other individuals that are part of this process to make these things come to life and that are part of it. And unfortunately for them, what's the big issue has been the residuals. And with the residuals, those have always been the ability for actors and other individuals and writers to build a career. If you were able to build up residuals for your TV show, you could then retire and live comfortably. Now you basically have to continue to work and continue to do this. So the big issue here is how long can all of the members of these guilds go without work before it becomes an issue for them to you know, live and exist? And there's actually a uh, an article that came out recently that basically said they had an into this, a scoop on the um, the studio heads talking about the writers guild saying that their whole goal was to get them evicted. And that's how they will break the union. Now, again, that was swiftly met with a PR response of this isn't true. No way. We don't believe that. But honestly, that is kind of the balance here is how long can these guild members go without any kind of work before there is some critical issues for a lot of the members there that they then put pressure on the negotiators to come to the table for anything. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, it's just both sides are pretty much kind of digging in their heels and. You know, you have the writers who need to get paid. You have the actors who need to get paid. They have bills. They have family. The families, they have a whole bunch of stuff. You know, their life just doesn't stop when the strike uh, happens. Their expenses don't just stop when the strike happens. And then you have the, you know, the streaming services who have to go quarterly in front of their stockholders, which is essentially the people who make the decisions and have to explain to them why they have no content. So it's kind of like, all right, which, you know, which one's going to cave first? Um, I do think the writers and the actors do have a little bit of an advantage. Um, I think that because those large bonuses, those large salaries are paid by the stockholders, that they, they're going to feel the heat from those stockholders. And I think they have more push uh, as opposed to, you know, I think the writers and the actors can kind of live a little bit longer, um, you know, just kind of cut down and be a little bit more frugal. There's no, you know, hundreds of thousands of stockholders, you know, coming to their house with a pitchfork saying, you know, why are you not making more money? Um, but that being said, I think everyone's situation is unique and you don't like to see anybody suffer. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I think that the writers are probably going to have to hold out to September was, I think, my original prediction when they did it. I am actually really surprised to see the actors strike. And I thought that they did the extension. I thought that it was going to um, basically they'd reach a deal after they did the extension. And the fact that they didn't is very concerning to me because that means that AI and some of these bigger, um, you know, issues are probably more glaring than uh, first brought up because nobody really wants to strike. Nobody wants to strike when the economy's soft right now. 
So it's very interesting to see this stuff. And obviously I see, you know, reports on both sides that come out. I don't know how much, you know, factual stuff is that, how much is leaked, um, how much that is, you know, trying to get people on one side or the other. But basically, I mean, it's it's just going to be whoever can hold out longer. You know, can the the writers and the actors hold out longer than, you know, the shareholders of these companies, the stock prices of these companies? Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. Um, obviously, I don't like to see any of this stuff. I think it affects us on the down the bottom line as well. We're, we're involved in this, even though we're not SAG. We do, um, you know, work with actors and writers. Um, and it's just sad to see this stuff, you know, being a creative, um, I think everyone just wants to tell their story, have their own voice heard. And this stuff is just kind of, you know, muddling the waters and kind of creating a whole bunch of noise and stress for a lot of people. And I think that the content that we're going to see come out, um, you know, might reflect that. And that's a shame because I thought we were really kind of turning the turn, turning the corner and having some really good stories being told. Um, and I don't like to see this financial pressure or stress on uh, any of these um, actors or the writers or the streaming studios because they have families as well. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Instead of focusing on creating content, we are now focusing on this lock-in process, and it is going to be—it's going to be hardships for a lot of people involved. And very, it's really, really unfortunate. Again, you know, solidarity on our end. Hopefully, it gets resolved. So, prediction time. Um, you know, during the writers' uh, strike, I did mention that I see it going on at least double the length of the last writers' strike. I think was my final prediction, which I think brings us to like October. I think the, again, our premise was that we did not think the Screen Actors Guild would join the writer's strike. I remember kind of talking a little bit about that. We thought there would be kind of a different deal and, you know, almost they'd, they'd silo it, but, you know, with the Screen Actors Guild showing the, the support and solidarity and, you know, mainly the studios coming to the table with some crazy terms when it comes to the AI and whatnot, you have that push. So I think, I think we will either see a quicker solution or a long battle. And I think you kind of mentioned it a little bit before we started into it, where, you know, you might now see studios really scramble if we're saying, all right, we need two weeks to go ahead, you know, and just hash out something, get the actors back to work. We get the actors back to work. We can get the system back up and running and at least producing some content while we then wait for the writers to, you know, essentially feel more pressure and cave a bit more for what our demands are. That being said, I think one of the other issues that might come up now is we might realize that the AMPTP is not as unified anymore as they might be, because you might have studio heads that want one thing and other studio heads that are just like, we don't really care about that. No, we don't agree to that. So I think there could be some dysfunction on that end as well. And if that is the case, then I will say, be prepared for the longest strike of Hollywood combined with the actors and the writers guild. They need to hold out for these, especially the AI items because one bad AI deal can essentially end the careers of so many future writers and so many future actors out there. So this is incredibly interesting. Um, unfortunately people's lives are involved in this process, but I would say to me, it's either you see a deal with the screen actors guild soon, or you see the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild being on strike, I would say, going into the October season. 
And I think if you go around, then you will really start feeling the pain. I think that's when you start getting the earnings calls and earnings review pressures from these bigger studios, um, specifically the ones like Netflix, to where they have a lot of really hard answers for it. But again, Apple's never going to get a question about their studio. Amazon's never going to get a question about their studio. And these are the ones that have a lot of say and power. And, you know, if you are the AMPTP and you want to basically make sure the studios are part of your process, you need to make sure that you're buddy-buddy with these bigger powerhouses, these juggernauts of the industry. Because like you said, Amazon could wake up one day and say, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to we're going to triple our studio size and they could instantly. So I think that's the hard one. What kind of your thoughts on what might be a timeline here, prediction wise? Uh, I think that the actors, here's a pretty, pretty crazy prediction. We'll see if I'm right. I think the actors are going to wait till after Barbieheimer, the biggest launch in movie history since uh, Top Gun. I think these are both huge blockbuster movies that are going to make a ton of money. And I think right now was a strategic choice. I think they did extend it so that they can strike right around this time. Um, there's a ton of marketing material that I know Barbie put out and they can't use any of that right now. They're not allowed to promote the movie. So that's huge. I never, I haven't really seen much on Oppenheimer, um, but Christopher Nolan already draws a huge crowd already. I think once this ends the probably two weeks of the initial box office release, I think that there'll be a deal with the actors. I think that the actors kind of push this as a pain point for the studios. And I think that, you know, afterwards, I think they're going to come, both sides are going to come to their senses or get at least a, a deal done that um, is beneficial to both. I think our friends at the Writers Guild are going to probably be till September, October. I think uh, what Kel said is a good idea is, you know, not this earnings season, but next earnings season. I think that Netflix and HBO and some of the ones that depend on these writers are going to start to feel the pain a little bit more. And I think at that point, um, they're going to want to go into these earnings reports saying, look, we got to deal with the writers. We have our content back on. We can move uh, Stranger Things up now that we have the writing team. So I think that's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen with the grips and the um, the other people that are going to strike. I don't know what their union's called, um, but that's kind of interesting because those people are essential and they have to be there and they have to get paid. And I don't really know what their bargaining points are, what they're trying to do now, um, because I don't think they ever had residuals. I don't think they're really in trouble of losing their job to AI um, because it's a physical job. All this stuff is physical. Um, but I mean, that'll be another one. If that's three in a row that strike, it's, it's just not going to be good, but you know, fingers crossed for all these deals to get done, fingers crossed that we can just start to get this content and we can get the, you know, everything back up and running. Um, because I am a fan of movies. I make movies for a reason. I like movies. I like to see, you know, the best and brightest people make movies. I'm looking forward to seeing more movies. Um, and this kind of sucks, you know, it just sucks that we have to wait till 2027 to see stranger things or, you know, even beyond that, um, you know, it's just going to be, it's a tough time, but, you know, I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed that everyone comes to a deal that benefits both sides and, you know, we can continue making content. Yeah, that is definitely going to be interesting how this all plays out. And we will keep you guys posted. We'll give you guys updates on it's there. But again, this is kind of our little insights into the industry based on our position here as a indie film studio. As always, be sure to take a look at our content online. We make movies for our fans with our fans. So if you join our Discord channel, you have the opportunity to be on set in the action with us. 
On top of that, Horror in the Forest might already be out, and if it is out, go ahead, please give us a rent and a review, as that means the world to us. But until then, have a good one.